0: Let me ask you a question. Do you – or see? Let me, let me put it this way. Are you excited for Habakkuk? Ba, ba, ba. How many people know what that means or why that's even up there? Nobody knows. How many people know that this is a book of the Bible that is very rarely ever emphasized? How many people woke up today saying, gee, I really hope Pastor Tony preaches on Habakkuk today or Habakkuk. Either way, you say that name, it sounds like you're trying to cough something up, right? Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Um, well, it's been a book that's always intrigued me. And so we're going to go through it over the next few weeks and uh, shine some light on an amazing book of the Old Testament. Now, let me ask you this question. How many people here like to cook? Raise your hand. I love to cook. My wife loves to bake. I love to cook. Together, we make a good meal. Um... How many people have a spice rack? I don't have like your traditional spice rack. In our kitchen, we put up a pegboard to hang all our pots and pans on. And it's kind of like the pegboard you'd see in a shop or in a garage. And uh, we painted it all fancy. It's a Pinterest thing. And then there's these little baskets that go in there. And these baskets are my spice rack. And so in my top spice rack, I always have uh, you know salt, pepper, garlic, you know the big three. Um, I like to use a lot of chili powder, a lot of cumin. I like to use a lot of uh, paprika. And so those are kind of in my top two sh- shelves. Then I have other stuff like sage. Like have you ever actually bought sage? Like I bet you if I went to your house today, I would find a bottle of sage that you probably inherited from somebody. Like nobody buys sage. Your bottle of sage probably says like – it probably doesn't even have a barcode on it. It's just got a price tag sticker from 1981. Like nobody buys sage. Okay, It just seems to, to always just be there. But, but we, we know – how. some people know how to use it. Some of you are like, yeah, use it on pork and all this other business. That would be like uh, if, if salt and pepper and garlic are your A spices, then you got your B spices with your, your sage, things like that, and then you got something like saffron. How many people have saffron in their spice thing? Okay, I expected you two, uh, Mike and Terry, to have saffron because I've tasted your food and by golly, I look forward to it every time I eat it. But how many people even know what saffron is? Okay, saffron is the the stem on the inside of a crocus blossom. It's a very bright color, and uh, it's harvested uh, uh, throughout, not throughout the year, but at a specific time throughout the year. Um, and then it's sold. If you go and buy it right now, you'd find a little glass vial about yay big with these little stems in there. And you'd pay upwards of about 20 or $30 for that little thing. Saffron, by the ounce, rivals the price of gold. And none of us know what it is, or the majority of us don't know what it is, wouldn't know how to use it if we were given it, if we were you know, given saffron. But for those who know how to use it and are familiar with it, it's the difference between a good meal and a great meal. Saffron is our metaphor of the day for Habakkuk. Habakkuk is this book in the Old Testament that we always gloss over. We never emphasize, but it's like saffron in the utility belt of a cook. We may not know much about it, but it is worth its weight in gold. If you will take just a few moments to read through uh, Habakkuk and, and the content therein, you will harvest wisdom from the Lord and not just wisdom, but revelation, the revealing of God to you. And this is just a book that we, 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 would, we wouldn't even know if it was missing because we just never spend much time there. Now, Habakkuk, the book, is considered um, one of the books of the minor prophets. In the Old Testament, you have the first five books of the Bible. We call that the Pentateuch. And then you have books of history like 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. You have books of poetry like the Psalms and Proverbs and Lamentations. And then you have the major and the minor prophets. And your major prophets are men like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And then your minor prophets start with men like Daniel and Zechariah and Haggai and a man named Habakkuk. Now why is he called a minor prophet? He's not called a minor prophet because he's he's less than the other prophets. The book is called uh, the work of a minor prophet because of its content. There is roughly three chapters in the book of Habakkuk as opposed to Isaiah, which has 66 chapters. The ministry and work of of Isaiah that's chronicled in his book spans some like 80 years, generations. Rulers came and went, and Isaiah's work is still being documented in these 66 chapters. But in Habakkuk, what we have is Habakkuk asking a question, God answering, Habakkuk asking another question, God answering, and then Habakkuk singing a song. And in general, the book is all about asking God questions about life and having God reveal himself to you, going to him with the freedom to ask the hardest questions, but to do so in a worshipful manner. You know, If you've ever dealt with children, and even some adults, There is a way to ask that has respect in it, reverence, worship. And there's a way to ask that is accusatory. There's a way to ask that is in rebellion. You're asking not because you want information. You're asking to Lord your power over that person. Who do you think you are? Where do you get off? What What's the meaning of this? Those are questions, right? But in that tone and in that that respect what you're doing is you're trying to assert your authority over the other person belittle them uh show that you are most powerful and they are not and when we go to god in that way we're the proverbial child throwing a tantrum to our father in heaven now the truth is is we have the freedom to do that but god's answer to us will be to correct that mindset rather than just answer the questions we might have Habakkuk has questions, big questions, the same questions we have, yet he goes to the Lord in reverence, in worship, and God answers him. Habakkuk says, and the Lord answered me in in chapter 2. We we live in a day and age where God is not silent. God still speaks to his people. We, We first and primarily hear from the Lord, Through his word, I pray that you brought your Bible and your notebook today. We've given you a pen. We've done one-third of the job. Um, But I pray that you have your Bible, that you're reading your Bible, and that you're taking notes today. Because this is how God will primarily speak to us. And when when there is a word from God spoken to us through a prophet, through a word of knowledge, through somebody just sharing with us something that God has impressed upon them to share with us, uh, even then we will go back to God's word to verify it. You know, if if, if somebody who comes in the name of God says, the Lord's telling me to say this to you. It is not your, it's not your, uh, you are not to just take that and say, yes, that must be from the Lord. It's our responsibility to go back and say, okay, God's word. Can I verify that? Can, Can I back that up by what God has said previously? Can I, can I look to the scriptures to see where God indeed has said that about me? God wants you to have an airplane. Really, does the word say that God wants me to have an airplane? I don't think. I don't think so. I think He loves me. He loves me abundantly. God wants you to be rich. Well, I see that life in Him is an abundant life because I have Him, not not because I have stuff. If I'm looking to stuff instead of God, you know, then stuff is my God. And so you can go back to the Word of God and say, okay, this person has spoken something that is either uh of their own mind or it's of god it's of god it'll if it's of god it'll line up with his scriptures right when uh jesus was tempted in the wilderness and satan came and and even tried to use scripture against jesus which is which is funny when you think about john chapter one where he was you know the word is god and with god and and so here comes satan trying to use the word against the word And he quotes uh, Psalm 91 back to Jesus saying, throw yourself from the top of this roof because it says that God will give, you know, his angels charge over you. You won't dash your foot on one stone. And Jesus says, no, Satan, you are twisting and manipulating God's word. See, even just because somebody uses scripture doesn't mean that they're speaking the truth. Satan was taking Scripture out of context, manipulating it, changing it for his power, not for the glorification of God or Jesus. And Jesus says, the Word says, shouldn't put your Lord to the test. And so continuously in that temptation, we have these three accounts where Jesus answered back to Satan with God's Scriptures. The Word of God is... Not the fourth person of the Trinity, because there are only three, but the Bible says that Jesus and the Word are synonymous. Jesus and the Word are one. The Word in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. So God, this is more than just a book. This is more than just uh, men who were really smart. This is God-inspired, moved men who wrote down what God impressed upon them. And we should never lose sight of, of that or, or lose that reverence for God's Word in that way. You know, not just it's it's more than just you know the book itself. It's it's the very Holy Spirit through it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, this is leather and paper. It's it's it, the Word of God transcends that limitation. So, don't lose sight of the importance of God's Word. Habakkuk's name means embrace, and. There are some people who put way too much stock into names. I think names are interesting. Um, excuse me. Uh, names can reveal to us much about the story, but some people go so far into the names that they lose sight of who the name is really supposed to be about or, or the story that's being told about the person who is the star of the story, and that's Jesus. So I mentioned the, the definition of Habakkuk's name uh, simply to give you some insight to let it be, you know, no pun intended, to be the the seasoning on on the big meal that is Jesus. But his name means embrace, but but more than just embrace like a hug, praise God, more than just a hug, it's more like wrestling. You know, how many people how many people wrestle with God? I'm here to tell you today that you should be wrestling with God. Not not in a stand-off, stand-offish way in a rebellious way. But, in a way that that you come to God, that you read His word, you say, Lord, I struggle with this lord this is this is hard to read this is this is a hard truth to swallow i need I need your help and you and you're engaged with God because people who are wrestling are engaged with one another. people who are embraced, i mean they are face to face with one another. Wrestling is just as much intimacy as as you know flowers and hearts and handholding wrestling with God is is about finding answers and finding uh, finding the truth in the midst of so much uh, so many lies and so many things that are false and so with Habakkuk or Habakkuk i'm going to call him Habakkuk if you want to correct me because you know better than me i'm fine with that Habakkuk um, what we find is that he's going to ask the same questions that we're asking today we could place ourselves in Habakkuk's time he could come here to our own nation and his questions and our questions would be the same his big main question is why are good things happening to bad people and why are bad things happening to good people why is the nation of Israel suffering and you're seemingly doing nothing while we look at our enemies and it seems like every day for them is a trip to the Build-A-Bear workshop and if you guys don't know what that is Go to the mall and check out Build a Bear Workshop because it's like it's like a drug for children. It's it's crazy. But your day, their days are seemingly sunshine and flowers and potlucks. They're always having fun. They're always prospering. They have the biggest uh, gathering of crops. They have the most abundant livestock. They're rich beyond their wildest dreams. Here we are, your people. Here we are on the good side. And we're suffering, and they're the enemies, and they are not. Now, how many people here look around at our own country, we won't go too far, just just our own little nation, and we see the quote-unquote good people suffering while the bad people prosper? Seems like those who are most in rebellion to God are the richest and the most powerful and have the most prominence. And when they speak, people just, just bow and do whatever they say. But the good people, quote unquote, they're suffering. They're losing homes. They're losing relationships. People in their family are dying. They themselves are dying. And you just sit back and scratch your head and say, God, where are you? These are the questions that Habakkuk had. And honestly, these are the questions that we find throughout the whole Bible. And we find this question at the, at the tip. Of our of the tongues of humans for all of uh, all of creation for the whole time that man has occupied this time in, the, in this in this uh, chronology, we have always asked these questions. Here's without revealing too much of the rest of the series. Here's uh, here's the fun part about Habakkuk. Okay, he goes to he goes to God. God, why are the good people suffering, and the bad people prospering? and God answers him the bad people are going to come take you so let's try to let's try to modernize this a little bit god I'm losing my house why am i losing my house and jerky joe down the street he's cheating the government and he's he's got a boat in his yard it's as if god has answered and said you're losing your house and you're going to lose your job too like wait a second you haven't answered my question you you just you just created more questions for me. Here's the joy, the frustrating joy of talking with God. Often he will say something. It does not necessarily satisfy the question we asked. It just brings along 10 or 20 more questions with it. Because there are things of the Lord that he speaks to us, and even when he speaks them, we don't understand them. Like, huh? My children constantly ask me questions about things. And and sometimes I can't I can't make it child friendly. And so I'll just explain it the best I know how. Like, Dad, what are you talking about? Like I guess you just understand when you're older. I guess you just understand when 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 your mind just develops a little bit more and you've had a little more experience under your belt. Because I can't I can't make it any more you know, I can't lessen it any more so that you can understand it. But sometimes God's just gonna speak to us, tell us the way things are, and we're just gonna say, huh? How does that fix anything? How does that make things better? There are two scriptures pertaining to this topic especially in the book of Habakkuk that are are hmm, how do I put this foundational for the New Testament? They are scriptures that we have heard and shared and banked our lives on, yet we have no idea that they come from the book of Habakkuk. And right now, I'm trying to speak as long as I can to find the book of Habakkuk because you know it's it's not the easiest book to find in your Bible, and I didn't put this part in my notes. I found Nahum after Nahum there it is, okay, so God begins speaking to Habakkuk Let's see if I'll find it here dun, dun, dun. the first scripture is generally taken out of context I can't find it that's okay but God basically tells Habakkuk look I'm about to do something that you're not gonna understand I'm gonna do things that that even if I explain them to you you're still gonna say huh and some will take that and say whenever you see something charismatic see something um that's that's seemingly supernatural and when, when Jesus-loving Christians say, that doesn't seem right, they'll say, no, no, you don't understand. God's doing a new thing. God's doing a thing that you don't understand. They may not know that they're quoting or referring back to back to Habakkuk, but, but this scripture has nothing to do with, with God doing something uh, that you don't understand in the sense that it's supernatural or miraculous. He basically says, I'm about to do stuff. If I, if I even explained it to you, you wouldn't understand it. The Chaldeans are going to come take you captive. So for a man who's, who's asking, why are bad things happening to good people? Why, why, are, why, why are trials and tribulations coming to God's people and God answering? And, and then the Chaldeans are going to come take you captive. You people who have seemingly been free for so long, you're going to be slaves to a pagan nation. He explains to Habakkuk, I, I know you don't understand this. I know you don't see how this works for your good, yet it does. The next scripture is, is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, speaking of, of, the, the, of the unrighteous. But the righteous shall live by his faith. This scripture is foundational for all of the New Testament writings, written by Paul and the writer of Hebrews. Men like Martin Luther, who, who thought that bringing penance to God bought his salvation or, or his freedom, realized through scriptures like this one that it is by our faith that we are righteous. It is by our faith that we are forgiven. It is by our faith that we are made holy. It is by our faith that we please God. And if, and if today, if you come and you've got all this stuff that you do for God, but you lack faith, then your stuff that you're doing really is of no value. It might have temporal value for people you're helping, but it has no eternal value. Eternal value is found in your faith in Jesus. Eternal value for your life is found in the things you do that transcend this life. And so, so for me, my my thought process when we're about to do something is not solely on How does it benefit here and now? What does this mean for all of eternity? What does this mean for my life when my life ends? Because one day I will die. And spoiler alert, one day you'll die too. Hopefully later than sooner. Hopefully in a way that's painless. All good things. But this life comes to an end, this physical life. And so we can't pretend that that doesn't exist. We, If we are going to make the best use of this life, it will be in an exer- exercising and executing faith in Jesus. Those who are found righteous before God aren't the ones who have cleaned themselves up, but the ones who have been made clean by the blood of Jesus through their faith in him. And so, so that's the goal of this, of this little series that we're doing, to increase our faith and to increase our comfort. So one of the things you're doing, you look over here to your your right, if you guys are out there, no, that's your left, I'm sorry. Okay, we got kids out here, there's blocks, they're having a great time. Mom's over there relaxing, not worried about their kids at all. Shining the light on them totally, hopefully not making them feel awkward. But here's the point. These kids, and their moms hopefully too, feel comfortable being in the house of God, in the presence of God. You know, churches can be intimidating. Some of you have been going to churches for longer than I've been alive, maybe even twice as long as I've been alive. Not calling anybody out, just saying. (laughs) For you, church is comfortable. Have you ever – the closest I can come to this, because I've been in church for about 10 or 12 years now, is – for me, it's going to a new church. You ever go to the big cathedral-style churches? It's like you can't sit down. They're so immaculate. look at Wow. This – that corner – of this church is is worth more than my whole life, like this. Thing, I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna break something. I gotta. I gotta go somewhere else. So intimidating. You sit and you sit down. And you're like, oh my goodness, what? I'm not. I'm. I don't fit in here. I don't feel. I don't feel comfortable. But you look around and what do you see? You see people who have been there for decades, and they look like they own the place. Why? Because they're comfortable there, and so we want. At least in this place, the only place that we kind of have any kind of control of, we want the kids to be comfortable. You might know, sit back and say, well, the kids are screaming. Yeah, because they feel like they're at home. And we want them to learn the presence of the Lord, to be in in front of the Lord, to be and not feel like all the eyes are on them, you know, as we all look at them, all eyes are on them, that they can come before the presence of God. Habakkuk had that freedom. Don't be fooled into thinking that that freedom was simply a new testament thing here's habakkuk just saying god what's going on like a child going to his dad just going before god and asking some really hard questions adults sometimes we hide behind religion i can't ask god that's not faith i can't do this you know i just gotta tough my way through this i just gotta, gotta put my head down i can't ask any questions but sometimes the most worshipful thing we can do is just ask a question lord why is this happening to me Lord, I, I, if I'm laying everything out, this doesn't make sense to me. Lord, this hurts. I don't I don't like this. Lord, why? Why is the car breaking down? Why am I not moving forward in my job? Why am I continuously sick? Why why are you seemingly silent? Now we can go before him and throw a tantrum. And I don't think that gets answered very often. And if it gets answered, it gets answered in a way that that is is less appreciated by us than the, the questions where it's like, Lord, why? Can you somehow, some way, shed some insight? Give me something. See, what we're going to learn through this is not to wish away or pray away our circumstances. We're going to boldly march right through our circumstances with the Lord, leaning on Him more and more and more and more. And by the end of this, be like Habakkuk, singing a song. You ever you ever hear a songbird outside when the weather's really bad? Have you ever heard somebody sing, and their voice is breaking because they're crying, maybe at a funeral or a, at, a, at a memorial? And you you hear the beauty in their voice, even in the in the face of such tragedy. That's the result of of Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. He he gets to a place where not only circumstances haven't changed. He's been told that his, his people are going to be taken into slavery, yet he knows that the Lord is on his side. And somehow this all works for his good and the good of the people of Israel. And so he sings a song. And there are few things that can express love like a song. That's why we sing songs on Sunday morning. It's why men write songs for women when they fall in love. It's why it's why children sometimes just seemingly sing all the time. My daughter, she sings all the time, just constantly singing some type of song. It could be about her snack. It could be because of a bodily function. Because we have those kind of songs in our homes. Sometimes, dad's the co-writer. I'm not ashamed. We do these types of things. But it, does, it It's this beautiful expression of who we are towards the one we love. And that's how the book ends. No, no, no correction. No, no God saying, oh, you don't like this? Well, let's stop it. God saying, well, this is what's happening, but I'm with you. So we're going to start with just verse 1 today. We'll get into the super heavy stuff later, but we're going to start with verse 1. Because verse 1 is enough to kind of blow our minds. So verse 1, chapter 1 says this, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw two words leap out on the page to me in that first first verse number one oracle number two prophet and number three truthfully saw they We're in one verse not going any deeper than that what does this mean what does it mean to be a prophet what does it mean that he received an oracle and how did he receive it he saw it but but did he see it that was with his eyes in the old testament it was not uncommon for in the new testament as well for people to experience visions oftentimes through dreams we have no indication how habakkuk received this oracle the the king james version uses the word uh burden i think that's a better word um if you've ever if you've ever worked in what we call the prophetic where god has impressed upon something uh, he's impressed something upon you to share with somebody else or to share with the group um I can tell you in the times where I've done had that happen, it feels like there's a weight on me that I, I have to say I have to say this. It's not like when um you go to a restaurant and they forget to bring your ketchup. You're like, I'm going to say something to this waitress. She's I'm taking this out of her tip. It's not like that. It's like if i don't say this i'm going to die i have to say this right now often sermons are like that it's like i have to i have to go say this we have to say it it has to be said and and i just trust in the lord that that the words we're speaking or they're being spoke are going to change lives but i I have to i go away with no satisfaction until this has been expressed sometimes it's a hard word and sometimes it's a good word the lord wants to bless you and this is going to happen and i've had people come to me and say you know this is what you've been through, and this is where the Lord's taking you, and there'll be people that know nothing about me, they know nothing about my circumstances or, or where I've been, and, and you just realize that the Lord is watching you and seeing you and and appreciating you and loving you and and being kind to you, even when it seems like everything else has changed. That's the work of a a, a prophet with a big P, the title of prophet. God will use other people to share prophecies to share words of knowledge and wisdom that come straight from him, you become somewhat of a conduit. Um, And you might do that once or twice in your life, or maybe you walk in this office of the prophet, lowercase p, that we have today. still exists. God still uses men and women to to share these words with you, and we weigh them against the Word of God. This oracle, this burden, this message that Habakkuk is going to record, this was something that I really feel that human words can only express so much. It's the word of God. I think that in these, what is it, six or seven, eight little tiny words, so much is packed in there that we just simply won't unpack until we get to be with the Lord. One day we'll we'll get to heaven. We'll meet Habakkuk. We'll we'll figure out exactly how to pronounce his name. I bet you there's a ch in there somewhere that we're missing. Um, and we'll all, you know, high five or say, Oh, if we got it wrong, but we'll ask him, what did, what was it like to experience this? What was it like to hear this message? Was it, did God sit you down? Did you have a vision or a dream? It was, it just there all of a sudden, I know for myself personally, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but it's like, it, there is no moment of gradual realization. It's like, it's not there. Then it's there. It was not in my head. And now it's in my head. and now I got to get it out of my head to share with whoever it's, I'm supposed to share this with. Um, and I, and I want to ask him, was it like that? Was it something, you, did you see it, did the skies open up? Did you see it all just kind of play out like a movie? He'll be like, what is movie? Because he has a Russian accent apparently. <laughs> That's my best accent, so I always go to it. Um, uh, and, and, and we'll just have a good time and, and ask about that. But the rest of this, I need you to understand that Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, does not work from a place of trying to convince us that God is. Trying to convince us that, yes, indeed, I did hear from God. It works from the assumption God is. I heard from Jehovah God. I heard from Yahweh. And this is what he showed me. And it wasn't like us just seeing animals walk by or, or experiencing something. It was, it was greater than that. And so good questions are how did God do this with him? But, but allowing yourself to move forward in the story, to move forward in the account. Maybe, maybe keeping that question uh, on the, the, the pinboard in your head, how does this all happen, but not letting it stop you from the truth that, that comes out in the next few chapters. The greatest question we need to ask here. Is how is Jesus revealed in this book? So in Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection of Jesus, he's walking on a, on a road to a place called Emmaus, and he comes a, 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 upon a few people, and somehow he's able to to hide his appearance. He's able to to hide his identity to, from these men, and they're kind of downtrodden, and he asks them, "What's up?" Because Jesus used to say, "What's up? What's up? What's going on with you guys? Why are you so?" Why, so why, why, the long face? well, they begin to to basically say, "Who? you haven't heard about what's happened? Have you been living under a rock? This is what happened? Jesus of Nazareth, he was crucified. He was supposed to come back to life, but we haven't found him, and so we kind of feel like we we kind of bent on the wrong horse, you know m- maybe he wasn't all he he said he was maybe maybe the things he said about himself weren't true, maybe the miracles um weren't indicative of, of his supernatural ability, maybe it wasn't indicative of. Uh, it wasn't the signature of god on this earth and then at the last minute when they're all done jesus reveals himself it's like a reality show all of a sudden jesus comes out ta-da i'm jesus the guy you were just talking about that's me see the nail scars see the everything i'm jesus and they're like whoa you're that's right you are jesus that mustache had me fooled but now i see you're jesus it says in verse 27 that and beginning with moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself so jesus stops these men and whoever's else with them they sit down and they begin to have a bible study i've been to some pretty epic bible studies but not one ever led by jesus i have to imagine this was a pretty good bible study where the word of god revealed the word of god and it says that he went back to moses that would be the first five books of the Bible and all of the prophets and showed how they were all about him. The book of Habakkuk, at the end of the day, is about Jesus. It reveals to us the Son of God. See, Habakkuk didn't even know that. What a privileged time and age that we live in that we could know this, even, even know this more than the writer of this book knew. That this is the revelation of the Son of God. This is the revelation of Jesus. And he's revealed in the intimacy and he's revealed in, in, the, in the relationship that we have with him. Church, if you don't know Jesus today as more than just a vague God in the distance who who's there but absent, if you don't know him as a walking, living, victorious Savior, friend, Lord, King, mighty warrior if you don't know him in that manner today's the day to know that today's the day to step from the old life into the new to step away from the life that keeps Jesus locked in religion and to walk in a way that you walk hand in hand with him that when you're alone and nobody else is there it's you and Jesus and you're not you're not just filled with loneliness and despair, you're filled with, with with the joy that's only found in connection to him. And I don't know about you, but there are a few things in life that I want more than that. And there are times where it's like, yeah, I just it is me and Jesus, and then, yeah, and then more often than not, it's it's God. I'm like Habakkuk. God, where are you? Maybe you're like that too. I'm here to tell you that the Lord is not distant, that the Lord is not silent, that the Lord is not away. In in I believe it's in 1 Kings chapter 17. I could be wrong. There's this account of, of a, another prophet named Elijah, and he challenges the prophets of Baal. And it's literally like the Super Bowl of Prophets. And, and they have this test where they, they set up an altar, and they put a, a, a bowl on top of it. They, they fill it with wood. Sacrifice a bull on top of it. Um, and, and they have this test, this contest. Whichever God, whether it be Baal or Jehovah, f- sends fire from heaven to light this sacrifice, um, that will be the one true God. The, like I said, the Super Bowl of Prophets. And as gracious as Elijah was, it says, Prophets of Baal, you win the coin flip, you go first. So there's like 400 of them, and they just start doing all kinds of craziness, dancing and shouting and and who knows what all, lighting fires and all this other business. And Elijah, in one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, you read this and you realize, oh my gosh, he totally does. Elijah starts like heckling them. Hey, speak louder. Maybe your God's on the toilet seriously you read the king james version the newer versions have kind of cleaned it up a little bit but the king james version just kept it as raw as it was maybe he's sleeping maybe he's napping now for you and i at least i had hope we'd sit there and go you're dumb stop saying those things these prophets of baal go you know what he's right maybe he is on the toilet maybe he is going maybe he is taking a nap so they start screaming louder we we need our voices to get up higher they start cutting themselves to shed their blood that hopefully their God would see their blood shed and, and be uh, 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 forced to light this fire. Well, at the end of the day, nothing happens. So Elijah, he takes it a step further. He digs a trench around the sacrifice, fills it full of water, douses the wood and the, and the bull in water. And I don't know if you've ever tried to light a, a fire with wet wood. It usually takes a really long time. So he's really just saying, look, we're going, to sh- we're going to show you who God is. And then he says a simple prayer, and boom! Everything is consumed. Fire comes down from heaven, and everything's gone. Now, when you burn stuff, there's usually ash behind, right? Like a big pile of ashes. I don't care if you're burning a cow or a car. There's something left over. Nothing. The water was gone. The wood was gone. The bull was gone. The stone was gone. The ground was gone. And so having proven his point, Elijah declares victory, and then they kill the prophets of Baal. Don't, don't walk away from the Bible thinking it's a kid's tale. When you read stories like that, realize that, that the glory of, of God and, and, and the seriousness of, of following him is indeed very serious. God is to be experienced relationally. And that access is is there for you. Not for a select few. Not for those who tithe. Not for those who who spend the most time in church. Not for those who who are really holy and pious. For those who have their faith in Jesus. The righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by their faith. God may do something that you don't understand. You might be looking at your life right now and say, Pastor Tony, you don't know what I am going through. And I would agree. I would agree that the things you're going through or have been through are probably horrendous. If someone has sinned against you, then they have taken advantage of you. They've hurt you. You may have done things that in hindsight, yeah, you realize that was absolutely anti-Jesus. I should have never done that but today you can find forgiveness through faith in Jesus. And through Jesus is the only way you'll find forgiveness of those things and you will become a brand new creation. I love that about the Bible. The Bible's not about taking dirty people and trying to tidy them up. It's about taking holy or excuse me, unholy, impure, uh, unclean people and changing them completely. To where to where the very nature of your heart is changed to where you desire the things of God to where you desire to be holy. And when you fall short, you feel it. When you fall short, you understand, oh, that was was not my best. That was not what the Lord wanted. God, forgive me. Help me to do better next time. Brand new creation. Only the power of God can take a man like Saul, who was killing the church, and then use him to build the church. Only the power of God can take a man who's, a man like Moses who killed a man and, and, and was afraid to speak and take him to lead a nation of millions. Only God can take a man like Peter who betrayed Jesus so many times and use him to declare the first sermon that we hear in the New Testament outside of Jesus. That same power today is available to you and it's open to you and i would pray today that you would give your life to jesus amen so what do we do what do we do how do we respond we respond first let me go back to my notes we we, we got to surrender you you can't drag your feet in in walking with jesus i mean jesus will drag you i've seen some folks and myself especially he's dragged me from time to time you ever seen the you ever see the kid in the toy aisle that doesn't want to leave the toy aisle his mom and dad are dragging him out. You ever see the dog that doesn't want to take a bath or go to the vet? Like sometimes that's who we are as Christians. Like we understand that we got to go somewhere that we don't want to go. But man, we're going to dig our nails and dig our heels. And we're not going any faster than we, we have to. Things go faster and better if we surrender first. God, I give up. Just raise my hands forgive me. I'm sorry. I surrender. You're right. I'm wrong. You're big. I'm little. You win. You win. Surrender. Number two is repentance. I shared this a couple of weeks ago. Repenting is going from one direction into another. In our, in human life, there is only one of two directions. You're walking towards sin or you're walking towards Jesus. And the road towards sin is all downhill. It's fluffy. There's, there's flowers to smell. There's a lot of people there with you. But repentance, turning around from sin and walking towards Christ, is generally uphill, it's harder, you lose your shoes on the way, it just hurts sometimes, but it's the way we are to go. That is repentance. Sin is over there, let's walk away from it. What's your sin? Your sin pornography? Is it overeating? Is it being angry? Is it being bitter? Is it lashing out at people? Is it worshiping money? Is it making idols out of people? Like what is your sin? Walk away from it. Repent worship and we spend uh a, 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 some time and we're increasing our time of worship because this is the time where where we uh, surrender gets amplified where, where lord we worship we submit ourselves to you not only do we surrender but now we come under your authority we 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 worship you as the one true god jesus your name must be high and lifted up not my name uh we got these pens And somebody was like, why didn't you put put Pastor Tony on the pen? Because I don't need them to know Pastor Tony. I need them to know Jesus. I need them to know they can find Jesus at South Bay Chapel. So let's start with South Bay Chapel. If I want my own pen, I'll pay for my own pen. But the church needs needs to be the place where people go to find Jesus so they can worship Jesus. I don't need people worshiping me. My God, if you guys worship me, you guys would all be in trouble. Like really quickly but if you'll worship Jesus if you'll come to him if you'll if you'll follow me as I follow Christ if you'll worship him as I worship Christ and if you'll if you'll love him and focus on him then your life will not it's not that your life will be free of trouble but your life will be with the one who is in control of all the trouble and lastly is to be loved and to love back it one of the things about prophetic words and we'll end with this Um, When people come and give me a a prophetic word, this happened to me just last week while I was in Florida. Had a a, a worship leader come to me and just start saying stuff to me. And I was like, I don't even know you, but I know that this is the Lord telling me something. My first reaction is not jubilant joy. Oh, the Lord spoke to me. Oh, I got to tell everybody. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I don't talk like that in general. Yes, really. Um... (laughs) Uh, my first reaction is that God is holy and I am not that he is good and, and what business does he have looking at me there are so many other people in the world that he would even take a moment to share something with me especially when I'm not expecting especially when I was just on the beach just wanting to to worship the Lord it wasn't about looking for something and I hear this word and it makes me remember how much I need him how much it is all about him and not about me that's about what he has done and not my performance that's about his sacrifice not my sacrifice that's about his love and my love back to him is so tiny but but man I want to give it all that I have And, and Lord this is my offering this is all I got but man it's yours take it all take it just take everything before i take it back see being loved by the lord is sometimes a hard thing cuz we don't feel really lovable do we we maybe some of you've had people tell you that you aren't lovable that you aren't not likable that you're not desired that hurts it hurts to hear words like that but we don't hear those words from our lord we hear, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But what if I sin? I will never leave you nor forsake you. But yeah, but this sin was really big. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Go sin no more, but I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Before we ever loved God, he loved us. Amen, right? That, that is, if we're going to get legalistic about something, because we all have legalisms. Let's get legalistic about that. Let's just say, man, God loves me, even though I am the worst. Paul said, I, "I'm the chief of sinners. Like there's a bunch of sinners, I'd be the manager of sinners. I'd, I'd be the CEO of Sin Incor- Incorporated. And, and I hope that your reply would be, no, you're second to me, Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. But we've taken our sin to the chief of shepherds. Amen." Let's pray. Let's stand. I'm gonna listen to the recording of this later in the week and watch where uh, watch where the head cold took over and the and the spirit was fighting through it. Cause this was fun. Jesus loves you, church. I mean, I was really excited to get back here see you guys. You know, hear you guys all say welcome back and make fun of you know. The, the sunburn that I have. You guys don't see it because I have a sweater on, but I have sunburn. Um, but I was really just excited to see you. I have to imagine that that's like nothing compared to how God is when He wants to see you. He wants to see you all the time. Like I, I imagine the Lord watching us as we sleep, as we watch our children sleep. Sometimes I go in my, into my children's room at night and I watch them sleep and go, man, I can't wait for them to wake up. We're going to have fun today. We're going to build Legos and have snacks. We're going to go to the library and get a movie. We're going to do stuff. They're asleep and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I better go to sleep too. It's like Christmas. Ah, oh, okay, I'll go to bed. You go to bed and I'm like, yes, they're awake. I imagine, I wonder if the Lord looks at us and just says, man, I just love them so much. Today's going to be a fun day. They're not going to think it's fun, but man, it's going to be fun. They're going to go through trials. They're going to be stronger. They're going to declare my glory even when they think that they're not. They're going to fail and come back to me. And that's okay. I love them. Church, the Lord loves you so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you. So today, receive that open invitation. Let the Holy Spirit enter into you. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to not just be loved, but to love God back. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus. Gosh, I, I want to start by saying we love you, but honestly, you love us. You love us in a way that that we can't even fathom. We can't even understand it. We agree that, that when you do stuff, like, like Habakkuk, like you told Habakkuk, when you do stuff, sometimes we just don't understand it. We look back and say, why are you doing that? I remember being a kid and watching my dad do stuff and watching my mom do stuff and wondering, what are they doing? But then seeing the fruit of it all and saying, oh, man, mom and dad are pretty smart. They know what they're doing. They're so much bigger than me. I look at you, Lord, in the same way. Sometimes you do stuff. You bring people into our lives. You take people from our lives. And we just wonder why, Lord? But as time goes on, we begin to realize slowly that you are sovereign and good and perfect and holy. And you do things that often we don't understand yet are still for our good and the good of those who love you. So Jesus, as we go through this book of, of this quote-unquote minor prophet, may you be high and lifted up. May we see that our faith is to be placed in you and that our righteousness is received from you. Above all things, be high and lifted up. Lord, if there's anybody here who needs you today, may they call upon your name. May they reach out to you. May they experience you like no other time And may the the continuation of your church just keep on going until we meet you one day and we anxiously await the return of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.